I want you to picture this. The Israelite people are fresh from their exodus and uh, just crossed the Red Sea. Uh, They have made camp at the bottom of Mount Sinai and Moses, their leader, is up on top of that mountain uh, having a deep discussion about their future with the Almighty God. Down in the camp, the Israelite people begin to become restless because Moses has not come back down yet. And so, being in a new place and leaving everything that they know behind, they begin to get anxious. And so they go to Moses' brother Aaron looking for help. They ask Aaron if he would form for them a god an idol out of their gold. And Aaron is reluctant, but the people are persuasive, and so they take all of their jewelry that they had brought with them out of Egypt, and they put it into the shape of a calf. And the Israelite people, fresh out of God's deliverance, begin to worship this golden idol giving it praise for their deliverance and their freedom out of Egypt. Now Moses is up on top of the mountain and he is having this conversation with God and God informs him that his people are already worshiping idols. And so Moses begins to plead and ask forgiveness for and on the behalf of his people And he makes his way down the mountain and when he sees them dancing and worshiping this golden calf, it says that he takes these 10 commandments, these two tablets that God had written on with his own finger, he takes them and he throws them to the ground, destroying them. How quickly things had changed from being delivered out of exile being brought across the Red Sea into freedom to quickly forgetting about the God that brought them there and returning back to old ways. Now you and I, we might hear that and we might think, you know what? I would never worship a statue made out of gold. But we get worship wrong all the time. We put things in front of God and we give our love and affection to things other than God. We get anxious and uh, tired of waiting on God and we try to solve things on our own. You know, we're no different. But the thing that we need to see today as we finalize this blended series is that God is good. That God is deserving and worthy of our praise. And our worship is a living response to God's greatness. Worship is a living response to God's greatness. But we seem to mess that up, don't we? We... uh, 
We, we may not say, you know, it would be hard for us to say like that we, we worship other gods, you know? Uh, we, we don't see ourselves in the same vein as we see the Israelite nation there at the base of Mount Sinai. But we put things before God. We, we worship other things and whether we want to admit it or not, our hearts sometimes chase after things that only deserve or only deserving of that kind of affection towards God our creator. Kyle Eidelman is the lead pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And a few years back, he wrote a book called Gods at War. And it talked about this idea of idolatry that we uh, face. And uh, it's a really great read if you ever have a chance to read it. But, but in this book, here's something that, uh, that he says. He says, our hearts are idol factories, constantly creating things to put before God. That's us, that's human nature. We're always putting things before God. And while we may not see it as worship, I think God sees it as worship. And so let me, let me ask you, what are some things that battle for your heart? What are some things that, that you struggle with that, that sometimes the priorities in your life can get flip-flopped and things can get out of whack and you can find yourself elevating something above the Lord your God? What are some situations that you find yourself in where, where maybe you're, you're, we should be patient waiting on God to to move or to act in a way or to deliver us in some way, but we just get tired, kind of like the Israelite people, and we want to take things into our own hands. What are those situations like in your life? So like I said, we're, we're, fi we're finishing up, we're wrapping up this series, Blended, today. And, uh, and we've been talking about a lot of different things and the things we've been talking about uh, all fall under this uh, umbrella of being sacred. Sacred things that, that tend to, uh, to happen for us a lot of times here in church. And uh, the, the big idea has been that uh, we want to see that, uh, that these sacred things, they, they need to get out of this room and become a part of our everyday life. And so as we talk about worship today, it's no different. There's a lot of different things that we think about when we hear the word worship. And, uh, and so uh, there's two things really today that we're going to focus on. And, uh, and those are that worship is meant for God alone. All right, that's, that's something that we wanna talk about today. And that worship is more than just singing. All right, and so we're going to look through all of that under this blended lens that, uh, that there is no secular life like the things that I do each and every day and then spiritual life that no God under, uh, under his new kingdom, under Jesus, uh, everything that we do 
has a purpose. Everything that we do is, uh, is an opportunity for this sacred life to be infused in everything we do, okay? And so worship is meant for God alone. If you've got your Bible, won't you go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 20. This is in the midst of uh, that introduction kind of uh, story that we just kind of looked at, Israelite people, uh, God is going to give these 10 commandments to Moses. And so in Exodus chapter 20, we, we learn a little bit because this is the first law that God gives in the 10 commandments. And, and we, we think of these, when we hear the word law, we think of them as being so restrictive. All right. Well, this is just put to keep you in place. What you have to understand is that this Israelite nation had been in slavery, had been in bondage for 400 years under Pharaoh living in Egypt. These, these are God's people and he delivers them out of that and he has this promised land that he wants to get them to. And these 10 commandments are really for them how to live, how to be free, how to live in their new freedom out of exile. And so in Exodus chapter 20, we get the very first one. Exodus chapter 20, starting with verse one. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God says in this command, you are to love the Lord your God and have no other gods before me. Now that word before could better be translated besides me? What, what's God saying there? He's, he's saying, I'm the one and only. I, I don't want you to be worshiping anything else. It, it's interesting that, that God basically spells out what he doesn't want them to do at the same time the Israelite people are down at the base of the mountain doing the very thing That's the number one thing on his list that he says, don't, don't do this. God says, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. I wonder if you've ever thought of God in the context of being jealous. You know, my kids get jealous of each other if, if it seems like that we're giving too much attention to one or we got something for one and didn't get it for the other. 
when we're dating somebody, we can get jealous, you know, if we see somebody paying a little bit too much attention to the person that has our affection. But I don't know if we ever think of God as being jealous. But imagine, for me personally, that I know that God knows all my thoughts, he sees all my actions, he sees all the times that I chase after things and put other things in front of him. And it breaks his heart. He wants my full attention. He wants my full love. He wants my full worship. And if I'm being honest, there's all these other things that I'm chasing after. Kyle Eidelman continued in his book, God's at War, and he says this, God won't settle for being first. He demands to be only. You know, a lot of us, we, we kind of view our relationship with God where it's like, well, I've got, I've got God first and then I got my family and then I've got my job and I've got, we've got this list, this hierarchy that we want to make. And it sounds good, right? It's like, oh, God first. Well, what happens, the problem with making a list is that you always have these things that are underneath of it vying to take that top spot. God wants to be the page in which your list is written on. He doesn't want to be first. He wants to be only. And I think so many of us myself included, we, we make a list and we try real hard to put God first. But what happens is all these things are always bumping up against it and pushing him out of that top spot. Hebrews chapter 12, the Hebrews writer gives us this glimpse of what worship looks like Hebrews author is telling us, he says that we, we live in this kingdom that is unshakable. He, he says that we can be shaken, but he says this kingdom that we're a part of, he says is unshakable. And because of that, he says, God is worthy to be worshiped. And I wanna look at it with you. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. He says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now what we see in this passage is that worship for us is a response to the goodness and the power and the love that God has for us. He says, therefore, since, since we're receiving this kingdom that cannot be shaken, he says, we should be thankful. 
And our response should be that we worship God with reverence and awe. Worship is living in response to God's greatness. And so the first thing that we need to see is that worship is meant for God alone. And so a lot of us have to do an inventory of our life and we have to figure out what things that we continue to try to put in front of God, how we try to solve our own issues and our own problems, how sometimes some of us want to be our own God. We wanna be in charge. We wanna be the one that's making the rules. We wanna be the one that's leading. God is deserving of our worship and he doesn't want to just be first in your life. He wants to be only. And for a lot of us, that's something that we have to go home today and we have to think about. We have to think about those places where we're putting other things in front of God. Second thing is, is that worship is more than just singing. You know, when I hear the word worship, if I'm being honest, I picture a band I picture myself singing, maybe my hand is raised, my eyes are closed. That becomes fundamentally what we think of. And I want you to know that worship is so much more than that. If we just compartmentalize worship into only singing or if we, we, if we imagine it that it only takes place within this room or within a room like this, we're missing the point of what worship truly is. In this blended series, we've been talking a lot about how things like prayer and baptism and repentance, while they happen here, communion, that they don't only happen here. And, and even if some of those things happen here, that they can still have significance in our life that happens outside of these walls. And what's true for them is true, so much more true for worship. Because if we're only viewing worship as singing and if we're only singing here on Sunday mornings and the only way that we really feel like that we're worshiping God is happening here, it's a very limited aspect of what worship truly is. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Here, Paul is talking to the church that meets in Rome. And it's made up of both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. That means that Christians who have this formal understanding of God through the Jewish faith, and then these Gentile Christians who come from a, a, a non-God-worshiping environment, they would have been pagans, they would have had multiple false gods, they would have worshiped idols just like the people in Israel coming out of Egypt. And so Paul is speaking to them because both camps are now under one umbrella, Christians meeting in Rome, and Paul believes that both of them have something to learn about what true worship looks like. 
And so this is what he says in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now Paul says something very interesting here. He says, I want you to offer your bodies, he says, as living sacrifices. Now, both of these groups of people would have been familiar with this idea of sacrifice. The Jewish people, this goes back hundreds and hundreds of years for them. They would have brought to the temple their sacrifices. It would have been a lamb or a goat. It could have been a dove. It could have been something from their harvest. And they would offer that up to God in a form of worship. They were giving God something. And the pagans, while they didn't worship our one true living God, they would make sacrifices to gods as well. And so they were familiar with this idea of making sacrifices. What they were not familiar with was this concept of a living sacrifice. Because what happened to the sacrifice that they would bring to the temple? It was killed. And so what Paul is saying, he says, I want you to offer yourself not as a sacrifice in which you have to die, but in which you live your life as a sacrifice to God. He says, don't be transformed by the pattern of this world, but be, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. He says, rather, I want you to be transformed and I want you to live each and every day as a worship to God. And so while the Bible in plenty of places talks about worship and singing and shouting praise to God, here Paul is telling us that our worship to God is everything that we do that's intentional to love him. How we live our life each and every day, the decisions that we make Monday through Saturday how we approach school, how we approach our neighbors, how we approach our jobs, the way we carry ourselves, the way that we raise our family, all acts of worship to God. Worship can be going on a hike. Worship can be your favorite hobby. Worship can be anything that we do that glorifies God and puts him first and is living out this transformed life that does not conform to the things that the world says are important. And it's a brand new way for us to think about worship. But here's what it does. It blends the sacred, which is this formal act of worshiping God 
and the secular, which is how most of us view our everyday life. You know, the mundane things like just getting up and going to work. It fuses those together. What if now your work is worship? What if now you're going to school or your barbecue with your neighbor is a form of worshiping God through the way that you live? Psalm 96, Psalm writer has this beautiful message for us. Psalms are filled with imagery of worship. And I just want to look at the first half of this 96th Psalm with you. He says, I sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are his sanctuary. He says, I want you to sing a new song. Something new is coming, the songwriter says. And we have a new song to sing. We, we have a new way to worship. And so there's this foreshadowing that's going on in this psalm that is pointed to something that is coming now we have received that, we've seen it. The songwriter only had this vision from God about what was to come. And that is God's son, Jesus. The songwriter says that salvation is coming. That is the song that we're gonna be singing. And we know that Jesus, our Lord and savior, who came to earth and lived as a man and gave his life and sacrificed it on the cross for you and for me. He is the new song that we sing. He is the reason we worship God. We don't, we don't worship God in vain. We don't worship God for no reason. Worship is a response to the good things that God has done for us. And no thing that God has done for us is greater than sending his son as a sacrifice for you and for me. Worship is a living response to God's greatness. And so if you're here today and you'd like to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, I'd love to talk to you about that this morning. Next Sunday is a baptism Sunday for us. And so we can have a conversation where we talk about what immersion's all about, how that's a form of worship and uh, how you can be in relationship with a God who loves you.
And so I'd love to talk to you about that. You can come and you can find me after service. We also have Discover White Oak coming up and uh, it's coming up on September the 17th. And that's a great place too where you can ask questions and find out more about what being a follower of Jesus is about. Maybe you've already accepted Jesus or recently accepted Jesus and you just wanna find out what your next steps are. What it looks like to truly worship God Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. We'd love to help you with that. You can meet our Coleraine staff and uh, get some help getting plugged in and finding community here. All of these things are about our journey here. Trying to help people find full life through Jesus. And so... While these are next steps that some people might consider, I want to remind you that for all of us, our challenge today is simple. And it comes straight from the Word of God. And I want to remind you of this word that's used here, this word that that I'm about to read, urge. I am urging you to consider everything you do every day of the week, inside of church, outside of church, whatever it is, God doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And so Paul tells us, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters. Why? In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we would worship you the way that you deserve to be worshiped. God, I pray that we would put you first. I pray that we would make you only. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.